Hello and welcome to Life Changes You. I'm Daniel and I hope you're having a good day. Today I'm talking to Chad Nelson who's from Virginia, USA. We're going to talk about extreme self-doubt and imposter syndrome. So hello Chad, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on Daniel. Really appreciate it. No worries. Look, I've been looking forward to speaking to you for a while and we have tried to match up our schedules a few times and they just haven't matched up and I guess it's the time difference as well between Australia and America. It's always hard to find a time when we're both available and it's not three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we made it work. It's awesome. <laughs> so do you want to tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I guess some of the pertinent information would be um, I have about 20 years of background in organizational leadership. Um, I started my own business here recently called Teal Conversations. It's really more of a uh, business coaching organization, uh, although there's certainly aspects of personal development, kind of life coaching within that. But really, the thrust uh, is geared toward entry to mid-level leaders and managers who want to grow in their confidence in having difficult conversations and leading others through change. Um, And that can certainly expand out, um, you know, beyond the quote-unquote professional realm into personal realm, but that's really the thrust of it. And Really, the heartbeat for me is when you get into that idea of confidence. And, you know, you mentioned on the front end here about extreme self-doubt, imposter syndrome, and those are absolute just, um, you know, enemies of confidence. And because of just my experience with those, it's really just near and dear to my heart to help other people with that. So could you explain what imposter syndrome is? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'll admit I don't have a clinical definition as such. Um, but just based on my experience and research that I've done, I think what I'd like to do is maybe give a, a description of it, and then yep. that might flesh out a definition of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so imposter syndrome, I really think of it as, you know, when you think of an imposter as such, you know, that is someone or something uh, that is really telling you that you're not where you should be, uh, when yeah. in fact you should be there. And how I've experienced this within leadership, within business is imposter syndrome in which there is a part of you that is really accusing you of being where you should not be in your current role with your current responsibilities. And then what happens is to me, that triggers all sorts of self-doubt, obsessive self-critique. And the word obsessive, I think self-critique is helpful, but obsessive self-critique. And so that's really how I would describe imposter syndrome, Um, notwithstanding high levels of competency. And if I could say one thing about imposter syndrome, it would be this. Um, I hear people explain imposter syndrome as saying that, hey, you know, I get all these accolades from my boss. I'm doing really, really well, but I just can't believe that story. I've got this story of one part of me saying, no, like you're just wait, you're going to get found out someday. So there's that imposter syndrome. And then I think another one that I, I don't hear a lot of people talk about, and this is what I've really experienced in my past is Yes, you, you get the affirmation from your boss, from colleagues that you're doing well and whatnot. But let's say there's areas where you really get like, yeah, but I really need to improve in this area. Imposter syndrome, that imposter will rob you of the belief that you have potential to grow in that area. Yeah. And I think that's another type of imposter syndrome that, yeah, I probably need to work in this area. But that imposter is telling me you can't grow in that area. And that can be pretty devastating. Look, I understand where you're coming from, and I'm glad you described it like that because back uh, in, well, 12, 14 years ago when I did my diploma in counselling, the first three books 
I had so much trouble with. It was like learning a different language. And I hired a tutor who was a psychologist to help me with it. And when we got to the second book, she said to me, why do you not believe in yourself? And I go, I don't really know. And she said, yes, you do. You know why. And I said, well, look, when I was about eight, I had a teacher who sat at the front of the class reading her newspaper and told all the boys in that room, you'll never be anything. You're never going to get anywhere. So it doesn't matter. And after I said that to her, she said, right, so we've got to retrain your brain to believe that you can do it because we know you can do it. You've done the first book, you're halfway through the second book, so you can learn it, but you've got this block now telling you that you, you, you're just never going to do this. And once we worked through that, then I went on and finished my diploma halfway through my um, Bachelor of Counselling um, and all these other things I've started doing that now I believe, oh, look, I'll give it a go. And now I give it a go and it starts. But I also still yeah. have that self-doubt when someone gives me praise, I just say, oh, yeah, anyone could do it. And I don't actually accept it. And I've been telling myself recently, when someone gives you praise, you have to accept it and acknowledge it because it's taken them a while to actually come up to you and say, hey, you've done a really good job or this is really fantastic what you've done with my child, blah, blah, blah. Um, oh. And I have to start accepting them with the grace that they're given and, and believe that what they're telling me is actually true. Absolutely. You know, one thing with that is I, th I often think of that in story. And so for so many years, um, my self-doubt um, couldn't believe the story I was hearing from a boss, a colleague who was saying, yeah. you're doing a good job here. I'm like, uh, I couldn't consciously articulate this at the time, yeah. but that story didn't line up with the story I was telling myself that was self-doubt, obsessive self-critique, imposter syndrome. And, um, you know, it was interesting. Richard Cook, wrote a book, uh, and I'm drawing a blank on the name. It's his most recent one. He's the one that wrote the 80-20 principle. And he talked about, um, he looked at like several people who had a high level of, of success in their lives. And one of the top things was self-belief. Yeah. And it was really getting to a point where um, just either trick yourself into believing yeah. when people tell you a story about, hey, you're doing a good job here, uh, or just lie to yourself, <laughs> you know? And um but like, just in a sense, learn to believe it. And, um, you know, it, it took me a while to get to that point. Yeah, it's amazing. Look, I also I've found in the last year since I've been posting Instagram uh, posts, which are positive, that I now feel more positive about my life because I'm thinking up positive thoughts to share with other people. And because I'm reading them all the time, it's started to make me feel more positive. And I don't seem to hang on to the negative as much as I used to. Not that I was always a negative person, but I feel a lot more positive during the day because I'm reading yeah. my updates and other people's updates that they're all positive affirmations and positive quotes. So it, 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 is, uh, it is a thing that if you're reading more positive, being more positive, it just breeds more positivity in, inside you. And one thing I would add to that uh, with positivity is um, just this idea of competence. So I'm, I might not get his name quite right, but um, Dr. Um, I believe it's Thomas Chamorro pre-music. He wrote a book called Confidence several years ago. And yeah. basically the thesis was this, and this is super elementary, but the thesis was basically this, confidence follows competence. And so as we work on developing our competence in an area, confidence tends to increase. And what I found is just as with those, you know, posting positive uh, quotes and principles, et cetera, as we build competence in an area, our confidence uh, I think our mood tends to improve. And, and that's something that I found for myself as well. You know, Dr. or um, 
yeah, uh, Viktor Frankl had this uh, concept called de-reflection. And the yeah. idea was when you get caught in self-doubt, obsessive self-critique, imposter syndrome, what he talked about is de-reflect from that and then move your attention to a mission you're trying to strive for, a meaning that there is to fulfill. And I think some of that can happen is as we post those positive things on Instagram or Twitter, whatever it is, that that helps shift our focus from that obsessive self-critique to this meaning, this mission that I'm seeking to fulfill partly through Instagram and other posts that I'm doing. Yeah. And look, self-doubt is, is a major thing, isn't it? Because if you had someone similar to like I had as a child, as a teacher, and I hadn't been fortunate enough to have that tutor while I was doing my diploma, then I would have probably carried on through my life thinking I'm not worthy of better things. Um, you know, there's nothing I can do about it because, you know, I'm nothing. We're, we're a lot further ahead than back in the 70s when I was at school. And hopefully teachers nowadays realise uh, the power of their words on students. In, in this business I run here, I run it with a friend of mine. Uh, we're partners. And we've seen the growth in people with a disability in their self-confidence, in their ability to voice what they want by us treating them as equal. And we say, you're a student, I'm a student, you're a teacher, I'm a teacher. We're both going to learn a lot from each other. And we've seen the confidence go right up. We found one girl who used to talk really, really loudly as if she'd never been heard. And I'd say to her, look, I'm just here. Let's just bring it down a bit. And now she talks to me like this. And it's amazing. And like her mum said, look, we've never been able to get her to lower her voice. It's always been shouting. And I said, we, we teach equal equalness. I don't know if that's a word, but we work together in a way that no one feels like they're lower than what we are. We're all on the same level. And I think that is actually a great way for anyone to learn because you learn more when you feel like you're not being talked down to, when you're being spoken to as if you are, well, not as if you are equal, that you are equal. We're all equal on the planet. It's just we all have our different ideas of where we should be, whether we should be higher or lower than someone else. So self-doubt and the story you were just sharing about that young, young lady, and I think one of the things self-doubt can do is it keeps us from seeing the potential within ourselves to grow and develop. Yeah. And that's certainly what I experienced with extreme self-doubt, but it often takes another person in our life to help us to unearth that potential that's there. Maybe the potential is dormant yeah. and it needs a little bit of sunshine. I think that's where the power of the other other people in our lives. And, and I've found it through other people who speak into my life and certainly reading a, a broad array of books like a Viktor Frankl and others uh, who could really help you to see that there is actualized potential in our lives and then that dormant potential. And, um, you know, I love the story you shared is, is to me is huge on just um, actualizing that dormant potential in us. We've had so many of those since we started the business two years ago. And I think during lockdown, when people have been coming more times a week with us yet we've seen so much growth and so much difference in people like one guy we've got here his pet and well his mum said look we've never seen him so happy like he comes home and another guy we've got here actually look I don't like to blow our own trumpet but I should because I should be confident in who I am but we've got another guy who comes here now who was having two to three seizures a week going home grumpy because when you have a seizure you know you messes with your brain you feel more tired you feel grumpy and since he's been coming to us he hasn't had one seizure and his mum said he comes in from work he's happy gives me a hug tells me all about the day she said and it used to be that he would come in throw his bag down and go in his room and shut the door 
So, you know, it, it is finding, uh, I mean, look, we're also a very low stress level place. We try and keep stress levels down because we all need to work together. But I wanted to ask you, so when you work with someone and you're helping them to overcome uh, imposter syndrome, what are some of the things that you sort of lay out for them of things that they need to change? Because I guess it's a sort of a step program. It wouldn't just be like, this is what we need to do. I guess you need to work on their confidence first to show them that, you know, they are worthy of what they're doing and then work from there. So how would you start? Yeah, you know, one of the things I would say is kind of the foundation piece of it is that we're conversation. Yeah, uh, I know that can be like kind of thrown around a bit, but I really do think it's about a conversation rather than me coming in and say like, you know, here's the A, B, and C, but let's yeah. have a conversation around, you know, where you are, where you yet want to be. And as I you just one, said before, because you would be going in, you would be actually sort of analyzing where they're at. And so you would have a sort of idea of where you needed to go. You bet. Yeah. You know, I have a belief that that I don't think uh, unless we know where we are, uh, we don't know how to get to where we want to go. And so we've got to have an understanding of where we are. You know, the big part of that is self-understanding, self-awareness. And that's what I want to do around a conversation with someone. Yeah. The other piece with that is finding out for them not only where they are, but where do they want to go? Uh, I've experienced this in my own life. And I do find it as I talk with people is sometimes people don't really have a sense of like, what is, what is that destination? Now yeah. I'm not saying it has to be this like crystal clear place that they're going, but do they have some semblance of like, I want to be a better parent. Um, you know, I, I want to be, you know, a, a supervisor who's able to um, give feedback in a really effective, yeah. loving way. Yeah. So what is that destination? And as you have a destination, you can better navigate the, the waters of life, yeah. if you will. And so I want to find out, what is, what is it to which you're navigating your life uh, personally or professionally? Um, and then the other piece with that, I would say is using just a lot of questions, open-ended questions that are really geared toward helping a, a person to find their own motivation to change, to find, uh, trying to think what the word I'm looking for here, their own motivation, but um, even their own solutions, yep. I would say in, in conquering that imposter syndrome, you know, for some people, that's going to be more, I think, in one-on-one -on -one dialogues. Other people, it would be a blending of those one-on-one -on -one dialogues and maybe certain readings yep. that they're going to be doing. And so finding out what is that, um, some of those solutions that they can come up with, and then how can I help just walk alongside them with those solutions? And I think, too, you know, as we resurrect from our own setbacks, from our own failures, that, that story of resurrection can be, bring tremendous healing to others. And so the other thing I'm looking at is where does my story of overcoming imposter syndrome interact with theirs. And so I can, you know, share my story appropriately in the midst of them sharing their story. Yeah. yeah. They come up with solutions. That's right. Because I, I've noticed since I started the podcast in the beginning, I was very closed about what I would share about myself. But then as I realized I need to make a connection and I need people to know where I'm coming from so that they're more open to speak to me about what they've been through. Um, and now I don't think there's anything that I haven't spoken about about myself in the podcast. And it's actually really refreshing because now I'm not thinking, oh, no, don't say that. Oh, you should say this, you know, so I don't have to be guarded. And when you're open and you've said it in another one. So if you were to come on and say, oh, I heard your marriage didn't work, blah, blah, blah. I just go, oh, yeah. So what happened there? You know, so it, it's a lot easier because guests can come on and talk about whatever they want about ask questions about me. And there's nothing that I haven't already disclosed. And yeah, I think the other thing with the. Oh, sorry. No, the on. other thing with imposter syndrome is 
this kind of goes back to the front end of our conversation, but if there's somebody who is in a leadership role, they're experiencing an immense imposter syndrome, but like from their, you know, colleagues, from their supervisors, they're, they're getting a lot of affirmation and praise at the job that they're doing. Some of that is helping them to see where they're at with their own story and how their own story doesn't allow them to receive the story that others are sharing. So some of it's just that self-awareness, helping them to get to that level of self-awareness yes, of the story that are telling themselves. Yes. The other thing I would say is, and again, this is more where I was, for those of us who maybe get some measure of praise and affirmation, but we also know that, but I am also needing to grow here, giving people tools on, okay, here's what you can do to grow in these areas. Yeah. I remember for me, for so long, it was, how do you give feedback to others that's digestible? And so that really sent me on a quest to do a lot of reading and research of books and articles to say, okay, what are some really, you know, boots on the ground way to do this in a digestible way? And when I started to uh, come across some really helpful ways to do it, like that imposter syndrome started to kind of just yeah, yeah, yeah. get blocked out as I built that competence. Yeah. And it's yeah. also about learning to change your communication style to the person you're actually communicating with, because Yes. Um, I know when I first finished my uh, counselling, um, I had all these super long and full-on names and words in my head from studies, and I realised they're not the sort of words I can use with general day-to-day people or even friends in conversation. If I started using half those words, they'd, get, they'd probably slap me and say, can you just talk normally? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and that's one of the things right. I found really good about doing the podcast is I come on and I talk to people and for that half an hour, an hour, I feel like, wow, you've woken me up intellectually. Like, it's like, I don't usually speak about these things day to day. And then I come on and find guests like yourself who challenge me while I'm listening to make sure I, I get the right questions out there. That's cool. What, That's cool. what I wanted to ask you is, so if you're working with management um, and they feel like they've got imposter syndrome, surely there would be some form of anxiety to that as well. And how are you able to change the anxiety to not necessarily remove it, but change that anxiety to a functioning anxiety, which actually works to their benefit? Love it. Absolutely. So um, Susan David, who wrote the book, Emotional Agility, has a line that says emotions are data, not directives. Yeah. You know, when we have emotions, like, like maybe uh, an emotion kicks off anxiety, we think we have to react rather than respond to it. It's, it's directing us like, you know, you have to be anxious and like, you know, just like not go to that meeting where, where she's saying, actually that can uh, act, give you a measure of data so that you can be better informed to harness the energy that's in anxiety. Yeah. And so one of the things that I do is really try to ask questions as far as what is the root of that anxiety? Like, what is it communicating to you? So I'll give you an example. So I knew a leader at one point who um, they had anxiety come up because of envy of other leaders. Okay. So this person was envious of other leaders and it would cause anxiety because yeah. they were so envious of the traits of these other leaders. Well, in conversing with that person, we got, so we got down to that piece of it, like it really originated out of this envy. Yeah. And so what we got to was what data is that, is that anxiety telling you? And it was saying this better learn what your strengths are and learn what your weaknesses are and where you can call people in to help with your weaknesses. Yes. Because this person really didn't pay too much attention to their strengths and weaknesses. And so they saw that and they really started to just, they took a couple of assessments, 
was asking other people like, hey, what do you see as my strengths, my weaknesses, having some of those, you know, conversations. And th that helped a world of difference with their anxiety yeah. as they pressed into that. Yeah. So, so I was also going to add on to that. I know when myself and my business partner started this business, we had the fear of failure in our head. What if it doesn't work? But then when we started to get participants in and it started to grow, then we had the fear of success. So when you're working with someone with imposter syndrome, would you say that they have a fear of how successful they could be once they've changed the way they see whatever they need to see to make themselves feel more as a whole? Do they, you know, because if you're saying that it's someone who needs to give feedback and they've never been very good at giving feedback and then all of a sudden they've done some sessions with you and they feel a lot more stronger in themselves, more confident, how do, do they just go straight out and be able to talk to their management or whatever and give feedback? Or are they still a bit like, hey, Chad, you know, I just need to call you to just check that this is what the right thing to do is? Because it must be a big growth spurt going from not really being able to give great feedback to them being able to give great feedback and feel that confidence. Yeah. And it's definitely a progression. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's definitely not like we have a couple of conversations and all of a sudden they're like, man, I'm, <laughs> I'm pinging high, you know. It, it, it's definitely uh, a bit of a kind of a long runway, I'll say, because what I have found is people have to develop a habit yes. of being able to recognize how to give that feedback. Sometimes it's in real time. Sometimes it's in a, a pre-scheduled one-on-one. -on -one. And so it is a habit to be developed because um, then they're also watching for triggers in their own, in, in, in themselves. So like if an employee starts pushing back as they're giving feedback, can that manager recognize their own triggers of there's different truth triggers, truth trigger, relationship trigger, there's others, but can they recognize it in themselves and still have the appropriate um, feedback to give? So as far as the success thing goes, I think wherever any type of fear or anxiety has happened with that, I've noticed it being that there's now a responsibility with this newly possessed ability, yeah. tool, whatever you want to call it. And I think now people have a sense of responsibility to it. And I think that can maybe cultivate a little bit of, of fear as they're integrating that habit into their lives. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you're working with uh, managers or look, even if you're talking to your everyday person with motivation to change, how easy is it? Like, I mean, obviously you need to have some motivation in yourself to want to change so if you had someone who was sent to you um, and they said look they're going to do a course with you they need to be able to cover a b c and d um, and at the moment we're not really seeing that and we've asked them and we've tried to motivate them to change but they don't seem to think there's any what there's any need to change do you have anyone like that that comes to you that then you've got to really try and work out and motivate them and say hey look you know this will actually work a lot better than what this does yeah, and actually, I'll say I've worked with um, a couple managers who have worked with a member of their team yep. who was like that. And you know, just to give you a, kind of a little bit of flavoring around that, some of that's around open-ended questions that are strategically used. So, for example, some of those could be around questions to that employee as far as, "Hey, when have you navigated change well in your past?" And so oh, good, yeah. you're just asking them to share that. Yeah. And, or um, when have you helped somebody else navigate change in their life? Yeah. Well, when have you done a good job? 
And so you're just kind of extrapolating their stories. Yeah. I mean, you're not trying to manipulate, you're just asking them to share. Um, you know, sometimes you can use scaling questions, which I have found extremely useful. So that could be something like, hey, on a scale of one to 10, with 10 high and one low, you know, how important is this change to you? And let's say they say, you know, I'm, I'm at a seven. And so it's like, okay, great. You know, thanks for being honest about that. What's it going to take for you to get to an eight? Yeah. What would it take for you to get to a nine? Uh, why are you not at a four? And so you can use like scaling questions, I think, too, that can be really helpful to extrapolate. Just where are they at? You know, are they motivated to change? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, yeah. And, and there's other questions that I use. Uh, you know, it kind of depends on how the conversation goes. But I have other questions that I'll use to try to just unearth where they're at. And um, usually I find that if you can show, hey, you've done this well in the past in other parts of your life, yeah. like I think you give people a sense of autonomy, like they have some power to be able to do definitely, this. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah, I really like that. And look, you've taken me back to my counseling studies with um, the question, you know, like um, when has there been a time in your life where you've had a change or, you know, where you've done something really good? Um, and see, I forget these things because I'm, I'm not counseling every day. But yeah, they're really important questions and they're really easy because they're great for the person to empower themselves and go, well, actually, yeah. I did this really good thing. And yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's really good. That's what I was and looking I think for. That's a, yeah, and I think that's a huge reason to use questions like that is to really, and I think that's a, a huge motivational force in every one of us yeah. is that um, when we have that sense of self-efficacy, self-autonomy, yeah. we have a sense of self-governance of our lives and we can bring that out to those questions. You know, another couple that came to me as you were talking is, uh, if you were to make this change successfully now, what, what's your life going to be like in two years? Um, yeah. Or, or uh, if you don't uh, get on board with this change on your team, how is that going to impact your next job with your employer? Yeah. And, um, you know, it's kind of trying to hit the bring reality to the situation because, um, you know, I think also within organizations, like if we don't see that, if, if somebody may not make the cut, whatever we feel that is, can we at least help them with the benevolent exit? Yeah. So that wherever they might go, we're going to set them up to win. And um, I hope even in those sessions, like we have that, that mindset going into it. Yeah. The first example you just gave then in, in my um, studies, we call it the miracle question. And it's like, what would your life be like if in five years time, this happened or what would your life be like if you woke up tomorrow and this was a change, like, you know, you were more confident, and they really are a catalyst for change because people think about it. They'll tell you what it is. And then I, I imagine they then go home and go, actually, that is something really that I could do, isn't it? And the questions you just use there are good questions because it not only motivates them in your session, but it then implants it into their head that when they leave, they start rethinking that. Well, actually, yeah, I did do a really good job 10 years ago when I was really proud of myself, you know, and that just lifts your confidence beyond measuring doesn't it absolutely and I, I think there's something too like there is something to be said about answering questions on paper like on your phone whatever but what i have found is with that one-on-one uh, -on -one interaction that i get to do around those questions there's times where you're asking them to explain a little bit more so they may answer the question about well i think it would look like this in two years yeah, yeah, yeah. To change and, and i might simply say tell me a little bit more about that and then all of a sudden, it's like the thing when they go home, like you're saying, 
there's a bit more that just kind of rushes yeah. into their brain. And so that's what I love about doing kind of the real time one-on-ones with folks. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it's, um, you, you've given them the cue and they've just probably got given you the answer that as they're listening to you, they're not really listening because they're going, Oh, I'm going to answer it like this. And then when you say, could you add a bit more? Then they're like, well, actually, yeah, I could now I've thought about it because I was actually listening to you. Cause a lot of conversations we have, you can, you can usually see the other person you're talking to is formalizing the next question they're going to ask you when you're still explaining something and you're like hold on a minute you're not even listening to what i'm saying but and as soon as you stop they go blah 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 blah, blah, and you go okay so you just wanted to answer the question as quickly as you could but yeah giving them that second option of well tell me a bit more about them encourages them to think about what they've just said and and um blow it up a bit more so that then you've got a lot more idea of what they're thinking or where they want to go or um making them feel better about themselves boosting their confidence it's brilliant yeah. And, you know, the other thing within that is, I think, using the often used reflection. And so I'll often do that when I'm asking some of those different questions. I'll often just try to paraphrase what they're saying, yeah. not not mirror it, but paraphrase it yeah. and just say, am I understanding that right? And and sometimes, you know, they'll say, well, you didn't quite get that part. It's like, all right, help me to understand what you meant by that yeah. then. And that, and that just continues to open those those other doors. Definitely. No, no, no. You're very yeah. good at what you're doing because... Um, yeah, like paraphrasing. I remember doing uh, paraphrasing um, in counselling with when we were uh, doing mock uh, counselling sessions. And if you were to be in the room and hear it, it was terrible because everybody was pretty much paraphrasing back the whole thing that the person in front of them had said. And the tutor, the, the um, professor or whatever it is, is going, "No, no, no! Paraphrase. Make it smaller. Just grab the main bits and tell them that we don't want you to tell them everything they've just said. You're going. They're going to think you're mad." <laughs> right. But paraphrasing is a really great way, isn't it? Because sometimes people say things and don't realize what they've actually said. So if you paraphrase it back and they hear it, then they go, oh, actually, did I just say that? That's actually quite good. And I think, too, it, it just continues to open up um, people expanding on their answers. So I think of like Carl Rogers' work around active listening, and he talks a lot about paraphrasing and how often when we paraphrase, again, whether it's in our professional or professional or personal relationships, when we paraphrase, it helps someone to know that they're being heard, exactly. but also understood. Yeah. And, um, and that's just used to, I think, continue to build trust. And as that continues to build that, that employee, that client um, will continue to I think, expand on their answers ever more. One of the biggest things in communication is actually listening. And as I said to you, I, I generally don't, well, I don't have questions prepared for anyone because I would rather listen to you so that, you know, I'm listening. And so I can formalize the questions as we're talking, but we did have a hiccup in the middle and I just lost what I was thinking because I was actually listening to you. So I'm hoping that when people listen to this, they actually listen to you as much as I listened because I lost my question because I was too engrossed in what you were saying. <laughs> But that's Love good it. because Love it shows it. that, you know, what you're saying is important. And yeah, it's been a really good conversation. There's, I don't remember who, who said this, but um, there's a saying that says sometimes people just need a good listening to. Yeah. And um, you know, you get lost in an answer, like, like you were saying, and, and uh, like, that means a lot. I mean, it means a lot to me that like you were that engrossed in. I was like, man, I, I forgot what I was going to ask, you know? And yeah. Um, so anyway, sometimes we just need a good lesson to you. So I love it. No, 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 love it's it. good. And, and look, what you were saying was important. And that's why um, with everything else, I've been listening and formalizing questions. And then that one, I was just so engrossed by what you were saying. And then I went, oh, 
God, I've got to, I've got to ask a question now because I, I was just taking everything in you were saying. <laughs> All right. Well, look, I, I think that's about it, uh, Chad. If you're happy with that, is there anything else you'd like to add? You should actually tell us your handle on Instagram, your website, and anything else about you because I think people yeah. would get a lot from you. I, thank you. I, I'll do that. Um, as far as just like kind of the last word you were saying, um, you know, for folks who are, who are sitting there listening and are in the midst of like just combating imposter syndrome, self-doubt, extreme self-critique. Again, I, th I think there's some healthy self-critique, but yeah. the obsessive or extreme is just really encouraging people read broadly, um, you know, get other people in your life who, who can just help you to think through those things. Um, you know, I, I made the mistake early on in my life of, um, you know, not, not voicing those to others, but really just trying to like deal with it myself. And, um, I just experienced that not being the most healthy thing to do. And so I began to read, uh, reading was never one of kind of my fortes in life. It yeah. became that as a response to that. And then just other people who could really just speak into life. Uh, but yeah, as far as just where people can find me, um, my website is tealconversations.com. So very simple. And then um, my uh, Instagram and Twitter and TikTok handles are all the same. It's Chad L. Nelson. So middle initial L. And they can find me there. So we'd love to connect with folks out there. Good. I'm glad that we finally got uh, an opportunity to speak to each other because I think uh, we covered some really important stuff and and showed people that, uh, you know, even when you're having a conversation, like I, I can forget a question because I'm listening to you and that their motivation to change can happen for everybody. It's just how we go about learning to change and you came up with some really good questions that they can either use themselves or contact you and and help them to make those changes because we're we're in different times at the moment and to have someone like yourself who can help people change the way they think about themselves and how they plan their life sometimes it's just it seems so overwhelming to make a change because you think oh I, I want to make a change I want to do this and Sometimes it's uh, the the first step, like oh, you want to start a new business, you want a new job. How do you do that? You know, and sometimes talking to someone for a couple of hours, uh, yes, you've got to pay to talk to these people, but it helps you to cement in your head where you want to go and what you want to do. Um, and from then on, you can move in that direction you want to go. Yeah, I think of it like a catalyst. You know, um, sometimes catalysts are short lived. If you think of like the spark plug in your vehicle, there's a there's a spark, a catalyst to get the engine going. And sometimes that's what just what people need. Definitely. They need that little bit of spark, that catalyst, a, a few questions from somebody who can walk a little bit with them. Some people are going to want that a little bit longer. And that's what I hope that to do is really, um, at the very least, be a catalyst in the life of others in their movement to just grow and develop. What I always say is if I can help someone through the podcast that they hear even a couple of words that we've spoken about today and that makes a change, I've won. 100% I've Love won it. because it doesn't matter what you listen to or if you listen to this and then you go, oh, actually, my friend, they're looking for a new job. You get them to listen to it and they hear it or you tell them about what you heard. You know, if we can make one small change in someone's life, it becomes a different life completely. And they don't have to be big changes because a small change today might take you 10 years to get to your next step, but it's created the change that you needed from today. 
100%. I would love to have you back at some stage if we can get our schedules to go together. Um, but it's been a really good conversation. I've really enjoyed it. And um, I hope you have too. I have. It's been great. I really appreciate it, Daniel. No worries. It was brilliant. So for now, we'll say goodbye. Bye. Thank you. Well, that was another episode of Life Changes You. If you want to contact us, we're available on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we also have a website, lifechangesyou.com.au. So until next time, take care of each other and thanks for listening.